Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equipped to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equipped to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Equipped to Be. Did you enjoy last week's episode with Dr. I? Did you? I hope you took lots of notes because I know I will be hearing from you. This week, uh, Dr. I has decided that she can come back for another interview, and we're going to talk about her new book. And I think it's a perfect segue into uh, from last week as far as Classroom Without Walls, which to me is what homeschoolers have been doing for decades. But skip the degree. Now, we're talking about Dr. I as a has her PhD. All she wanted to be when she grew up was a college professor, and she was. She was an associate professor for 15 years until she learned some things, and now she stepped out of that role and into a brand new world and has this global vision and a completely different vision of merging the social media and education, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So make sure you stick around. Hey, Dr. I, you're back. We get to do another podcast together. I'm so excited. And we're going to focus on uh, Skip the Degree. But before we do, there were some listeners that probably didn't hear you last week. Would you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me back, Connie. Really honored and excited to share more about my book. Yeah, uh, uh, my name is Dr. I. I got my, uh, I have a few degrees. <laughs> and you I have got a few, my, okay. <laughs> yeah, I got my master from Syracuse. I got my PhD from the University of Maryland. And I taught in the classroom for in higher education for 15 plus years. And uh, I'm also an uh, Adobe education leader, Adobe insider. I also work with HubSpot. I'm their instructor. And my work has been featured in Forbes, Pierce Education, Entrepreneur Today Show, and some other places. You're just everywhere. You're just everywhere. (laughs) But it started, you know, our relationship started at a conference. And it was a social media conference. And when you had me on your podcast, I remember you saying... I I thought of you as the social media guru, and here you are, you're a parenting guru. And I had to laugh because here, a lot of people in your past probably view you as, oh, you're a PhD, you teach college, you teach at the university level, that is amazing. And yet, you have a new hat on. You didn't lose the knowledge that you had. You could probably still go teach in a college. You didn't lose that knowledge, you have added to it, and you've expanded into another field that takes what you have learned, and now you're applying it in other places. And so as a mother, you know, me being a mom of five, and you have, what, one and then one on the way, or two and one on the way? Uh, Yeah, two and one on the way. Okay, so you you have two that are more on the younger side, and then one that'll be here soon. And, you know, it's funny because we often get labeled, right, as, oh, you're just to this. Oh, you're just to that. And what you're doing is like, no, I do 
a lot of things, and I do them exceptionally well, right? Which kind of goes to that. I'm not sure, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I would have to say to get your PhD, you would have to do like something exceptionally well, because that's a lot of work, right? Um, And then to be in all these uh, magazines and to be with HubSpot, Adobe, and all that, I mean, you have to prove yourself. You have to have a, a certain level of mastery. So that leads me to, we talked last week about Classroom Without Walls and what you learned while you were in the classroom, uh, in classroom, aka the, the college, you know, the college classroom. You learned a lot and it caused you to start to do something that a mutual friend of ours has said before, and, and that is Duncan Wardle about innovation and creativity and exploration and that we have to constantly be learning, be learning and growing as a parent in our professions. And even in our marriages, we have to constantly be learning. And I remember when you started to talk about this book, Skip the Degree, oh, man, everything in me was like, bing, 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 bing. I want to know more about what she's saying. <laughs> and here, you know, we're, we're ba- both from this social media marketing, public relations background, but suddenly there was this convergence with the two of us. And it's fun how there is so many areas we overlap. You're from communist China. You didn't have any ability to really make or make your own life. You didn't have those kind of freedoms that you have here, which certainly impacts how you see the world around you and how you see the freedoms that today's students either use or don't use. But as a college professor, I would expect you to say, everybody needs a degree because that's it, but you don't. And it led to you writing this book. And that is to skip the degree, save the tuition. I love that. Aren't we all wanting to do that these days? My kids have all gone to college, but I will say, I don't believe college is for everyone. So can we can we just like focus on that? I loved the book. I, I read it. You sent me a digital copy before it released, and now it's been like number one, and it's impacting millions of of lives. I mean, you're a thought leader in this industry. So let's talk about Skip the Degree. And from that, tell me what made you write this book or co-write the book. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for uh, that. Is uh, really nice of you to say, Connie. So we really appreciate it. Yeah. So my co-author, Julia McCoy, and I wrote this book, Skip the Degree, Save the Tuition. And it's really to show parents and students and even working professionals that Formal education is one of the many ways to have a fulfilling life, a happy career, to make money, to generate impact. College education is not for everyone. And if you choose to not go to college, there are many, many legit alternatives that are as fulfilling as someone who goes through the the traditional path and find a degree. So what really inspired me to be a part of this book is actually very interesting. Julia McCoy, my co-author, she is a college dropout. And myself, I call myself a professor dropout. So it's kind of nice that we're in the dropout club. And also in the book, we featured quite a few people who didn't go to college, who some of them didn't even go to high school, but are actually having a very fulfilling life. I remember one person I recently interviewed on my show, he only has an eighth grade education, but he said that he's actually really thankful for his lack of 
formal education. It is so fascinating when you hear that because it is such a paradigm shift, right? As you said, Connie, most parents believe that after high school, go to college. After college, you'll find a job. And my mission or our mission is to really disrupt that, to show people, hey, you don't have to follow this linear pathway, high, middle school, high school, college, and find a job. There are ways, there are many, many jobs available that you can do without going through the formal education route. In fact, for some positions, it is actually better that you didn't go through the formal education. And Julia, she is in, um, in content marketing, and uh, she shared this so many times with me, and I also heard this from people on my show a lot that there are college graduates who majored in literature, in writing. They are literally unhirable wow. because of what they have learned from the school. So it is costing companies a lot more money to train those students with a structure and formal education learning background to unlearn what they have learned from their school and to relearn a new language like a, a new language in the business. And that is costing the company a lot. And that's why companies like Google, they are launching their own career certifications to replace. Oh, they are? Even supplement. Yes. To replace the four-year college. That is a major disruption. That's uh, that's incredible. You know, I, I noticed that there was a study done, and I guess that was by Kaplan, in 2020, that Americans would uh, rather intern at Google, right? 60% over getting a degree from Harvard. I mean, that that is that should be eye-opening to parents. Yeah. Right? Definitely. 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 Yeah. And also just to uh, follow up on this is that, you know, you and I, we know, like you actually told me that your daughter, she's really into creativity and art. Yeah. So there's another really fascinating study, which I really, I, I didn't know the study, but I definitely see the results in happening in the classroom. So what the study did was um, by NASA, and they wanted to study like people's creativity. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is that they asked a group of four years old, five years old, they asked them, how many ways can you think of using a paper clip? And so the four years old, five years old, they were so creative this and that, so hundreds of ways. They scored 98% in terms of divergent thinking, creativity, so genius level. Wow. Five years later, the same group of children, and for the same exercise, the number dropped from 98% to 50%. Another five years later, you know, graduate from college, professionals, and the number dropped to 2%. So what happened? You really have to ask, oh, my God, what happened? The same case, right? From 98% to 2%, what happened is that they become more educated. And uh, so I see that in the classroom. And uh, my my own kids are very young. When they were young, they're they're so creative. Mm -hmm. But when I look at my own undergraduate students, they are so, they ask for permission for everything. Mm -hmm. They don't really think outside the box. They only want to think what I want them to do. They spend more time trying to figure me out instead of trying to be like uh, creative, to take some risks, to have some really innovative ideas. They don't. And I recently had a conversation with one of my friends. You know, uh, she's a teacher 
um, at a high school, mm-hmm. and she said that students nowadays they're so afraid of making a mistake that they refuse to use a pencil that doesn't have the eraser on the top. Oh my! So when they have yeah, when they have like uh, just like a regular pen. And without the eraser, they are afraid to write down the answer. That's how afraid they are of making mistakes and trying something new and trying innovative and creative ideas. So to me, that is another important reason I we wrote the book to really inspire us to see that just because you go to school, it doesn't mean everything's perfect. There are still things that you have to do outside the classroom to unschool the mm-hmm. what they have learned or unlearn what they have learned and to relearn to be really critical. Yeah. Can I just follow up with something you said? Now these kids, I, I have heard that study. I haven't read that particular one, but I I have I've learned that along the way. And my my theory is just that uh it's not that the child is necessarily driven toward being a perfectionist, although that can be true. There are children that have perfectionistic tendencies, and they don't want to try if they don't think they're going to have a, a, a fair amount of chance of you know succeeding. But overall, you know, it the goal of learning is is you know, every child is born creative. The goal is to keep them creative and keep them exploring and keep them being adventurous. And like you said, being a risk taker throughout their childhood. That's that's the goal. That's where real learning takes place. And if they're in a classroom setting or, you know, now we, we know the world has changed. There's so many millions and millions of kids that are behind a computer screen. That doesn't work for all kids. You know, it does work for some, but it doesn't work for all. But what does work for every child is giving them the opportunity to explore, to be curious, to be mm-hmm. innovators and problem solvers. If as parents, if as employees, to be honest with you, how many times do we go to work and how many times were, were you in, in, you know, teaching and you had a checklist? I mean, you had to make sure you followed this, uh, you know, whatever scope <laughs> and sequence as a college professor. Yep, I covered that. I covered that. You couldn't get, make sure the kids, the college kids, um, obviously they're adults, but you couldn't guarantee that they they were mastering what you learned. You just knew you had to teach it. And if they got it, the smart ones or the quick ones or the natural learners, they got it. And the ones that needed maybe more kinesthetic, they were hands-on or they learned a different way. Maybe they didn't, but you had to shoot for the middle. And I, my whole love of, of what I see you being able to do is, no, we're not shooting for the middle. We're allowing our children to tap into and to develop mastery in the areas that they are uniquely gifted and st- mm-hmm. with strengths and talents. And, and we foster those talents. Do you agree with that? A hundred percent. That is such a great point, Connie. And actually one part of my uh, curriculum at Classroom Without Wars is really going within to do this self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And we have a number of like assessment that I do with the students. And oftentimes when I ask a kid, what are your top strengths? And most kids, they will have a hard time answering the question because like, nobody has ever asked them. What that wasn't on really the study at. sheet. <laughs> no, not at all. But they can really list out what they are not good at, right? Oh. Because that is what the teachers are telling them. That's like the, the parents are sending them to prep schools, mm-hmm. tutoring, all those things. So they know exactly what they are not good at, but they have no idea what they are 
they know what they are not good at, but they have no idea what they are really good at, right? But you and I, we know that to have a good career, that needs to be based on like a, an alignment between yeah. the career and who you are as a person, the intrinsic values, who you are, your strengths. But very few kids are actually doing this. They choose a major based on ranking, based on like I, I heard this on my interviews all the time. I mm-hmm. recently interviewed this guy. He now does copywriting, but he graduated from college and he chose accounting as his major. And only to discover four years later that he hated the major. And then I asked him, why did you choose this as your major? He said he didn't know. It was based on ranking the school. Mm-hmm. At his school, that major is like really prestigious. And that's why he chose it. And so many students are making that decision based on a certain ranking. And I feel like we have career centers at schools. We have academic advisors, but what we need are life advisors to really help our kids understand who they are as a human being, not only based on academic performance, but actually based on who they are and actually encourage our kids to go through this journey to discover who they are. And then they will be a lot happier. There was another study from Gallup. They interviewed, they surveyed 1 billion full-time workers and discover that 85% of people hate their jobs, right? I think that is a result of this lack of internal discovery, you know, uncovering what is within. And very few schools have like life coaches. We all have academic advice. Everything's based on academic. And so we really ignore the softer side of having like a fulfilling life. You know, there's two points. One, I, it's funny you brought up strengths. I'm a strengths practitioner. I've gone, had all the training, and I love helping people understand there are things that you do that you're going to soar at. Let's develop those. Let's cultivate those. Let's let's get those to where you, they they just are. Uh, you excel at what you do, and and then let's learn. Okay, we know our weaknesses. Anytime you ask any of us, hey, so you know, I may not know what I'm good at, but like you said, I'm not very good at cooking. I'm I'm not very good at balancing the checkbook. We know what we're not good at, and my my premise is fine. You have some weaknesses. Okay, get over that. Accept it. Now learn how to manage them. You're never going to excel in your weaknesses, so quit trying to spend all your time upping your math score on the ACT or the SAT, where you may get it one or two points, and focus on the other, you know, subjects, if that's, I'm using that because we're talking about education, but focus in on where you thrive, where you could spend like all day. And I know you, I you wake up every morning excited about what you're doing. Who wants to be in a job like 85% of the people where it just, they, they want to go on vacation. <laughs> they don't want to show That's up. Right. They want to check that their phone. That used to be me, to be honest <laughs> with you, Connie. That used to be me every like after, like many of my friends are still like that, right? We We, like our life is like, Summer is here. Finally, we don't have to teach. Winter break is here. And I don't want to live the rest of my life like that. And so many people are like that because you don't know what you don't know. They think that is the default state of our life. But it is not, right? Join the 15%. Yeah, there's your mission. I love it. Convert the 85%. Show them a bigger picture. Expand their vision. So, you know, let's segue over to, we, we know that, 
the pressure is on. The pressure is on to get that, get into that school, get those high grades, excel, excel, excel. We also know that we have had a year of academic um, massive destruction. Uh, I would say disruption, actually even destruction across the the U.S. and in many places around the world. So if we, you know, we we know that there's a lot of conversation about how some kids are falling behind. But you sent me an article that I was reading, and it's not just kids that uh, maybe don't have access to a computer or, you know, maybe their parents aren't being diligent to kind of help them stay on top of things. But this pressure, this stress to achieve and to excel is impacting even kids that go to these high, expensive schools, and they have the best kind of teachers. Can we spend a few minutes talking about what's happening and what are we doing to our kids there that might be leading to that 85%, actually? <laughs> totally. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, we probably, as a mom, you know, as a parent, we probably all had the same feeling when we just became a mom, when we just become a dad, we wanted to make sure that we're sending our kids to the best school possible within our means. And we did the same thing. Me and my husband went in our case to a private school, rigorous, competitive, all those things. And but like so much research has shown that sending our kids children who are actually attending high achieving, so those schools are, you know, academically rigorous, lots of activities, competitive, enriching, fancy buildings, labs, all those things. So kids who actually attend those high achieving schools, they are actually having more mental health issues, the same level as kids who grow up in poverty, in foster care, and who has a parent in prison. Isn't that crazy? I would love for you to repeat that. Just repeat that. Yeah. So children who are attending high-achieving schools, they are having the same mental health issues as kids who grew up in poverty, in foster care, and who have a parent in prison. So I don't know about you, but that's that's heartbreaking. I mean, they can't, I, I, that article you were citing, and I'll put that in the show notes, by the way, that article, I mean, even the simple act of playing a sport or joining a club or having a community, everything has to be so strategic because it's so competitive, right? Now, I'm not saying there's anything against competition. I'm I, Definitely, you and I are on the same page that we want our kids to have an excellent education. We want them to have uh, a great childhood. We, we want them to thrive, not just merely survive. But I don't think parents realize the pressure that is placed on these kids, and, and largely because we are trying to do what? Get them into the, the top-rated schools so that they can do what? Get their master's, get their PhD, get a, you know, get a good job, whatever, you know, whatever it is. But I'm just, I'm going to invite listeners, I'm going to invite you to rethink some of, of maybe what you have put as a priority. Now, I and I, we're not, yeah, we're not saying, hey, dumb them down. We are certainly not saying, we're not saying, hey, don't pursue excellence. We're saying, can you consider what's happening to the emotional, physical, spiritual, um, mental well-being of your kids? Absolutely. 
And can I share another study, which is uh, equally sure. eye-opening? And so uh, this came out, I think, published on the Inc. magazine like about two years ago or so. So it's a, a super chicken study. Have you ever heard of this? No, super I haven't. Study? So uh, it's a biologist. So what he did is that he wanted to study chickens and how productive they are in the, in the sense of how many eggs they lay. Uh-huh. And so what he did is that he separated uh, the chickens into two groups. So one group is the super one, which already producing laying more eggs. They're healthier, stronger, more muscular. And the second group of chicken is the average one. They are just doing okay, mediocre. So they studied the chickens for six generations. And what happened after six generations is absolutely shocking. So for the average group, they are actually doing better. They are healthier, stronger, more muscular, and they are actually laying more eggs. Uh But for the super one, guess what happened? They ended up attacking each other, killing each other. Only three survived. Wow. There's a TED Talk that goes through this. It Uh is such a fascinating study. And the implication is very profound for corporate working environment and also for the education space. I grew up in China. I grew up in a super chicken environment. It was awful. I ended up just really hating my life. And I did develop a really bad eating disorder. It was an awful story. But this is exactly what is happening to our kids, attending those super highly competitive, high achieving schools. They are like that high, they are like those super chickens, right? Each of them is outstanding. But when you have a group of people who are equally outstanding, how can you even like stand out? Like so much more pressure to compete, to excel in that super chicken environment. So I love that study. Wow. Um, yeah, please share that with me. And I'll, I'm going to throw that in the, the show notes. I mean, it kind of makes sense. And what I think happens is, you know, this, uh, the year that we have gone through with all the shutdowns and lockdowns and confusion and fear and trying to figure it out, there are three really positive things that have happened. I mean, there's a lot of bad, but there's some really positive. The first is that uh, parents actually started learning what their kids were learning in school, right? They never saw this textbooks. They never, they were never there. They dropped the children off. Uh, unless you were homeschooled, you dropped children off or, and you picked them up and they, they either did or didn't share with you what was going on. But now parents have learned what is happening. And, you know, all those notes that the teacher was sending home saying, you know, your child has been very, you know, talks too much in class or is constantly interrupting. I was one of those. I mean, I remember, (laughs) this is totally a rabbit trail, but I remember when I was in second grade, Mrs., oh, I won't say her name, but I remember her. And when my report card came out, the first thing I wanted to look at was her comments. I didn't care what my grades were. What did you say about me? And of course, it was, Connie is a really good student, but she needs to sit in her chair and quit talking so much. <laughs> of course. Um, but my point, my point being that we, that is a wonderful thing. If maybe parents were always blaming somebody else for their child's behavior, and maybe they realize, oh, well, my, my child does seem to do that. Maybe they do interrupt all the time. So they're able to address that. There's 
they're learning what their kids are learning. They're also spending more time together. Like you, you're homeschooling now. How many times you've you've traveled all over the place? I know it's been curtailed a bit, but you know, you you go biking, you go hiking, you go outside, you you are actually playing board games together, stuff that we didn't have time to do in the hurriedness and the fast pace of life that we had actually a year ago. And that is an amazing thing. And the third thing is, you know, people that live in the suburbs, they they that used to be like, oh, you live all the way out there. Now people are like, that's not actually a bad place. There's it's calmer, it's quieter. And this isn't a, you know, it's not one way or the other. It's just some realizations of what we have seen as a result. Um, and if we take stock, and like you said, if if we start observing and paying attention and Maybe we stop pushing our kids and we put before them and we allow them to not be afraid to fail because that's okay. I mean, fail forward. You're going to fail. Fail forward. You hit a gutter ball this time. Next time, you're going to get a strike. They're going to become more resilient. Do you agree with that? Oh, I, I so agree. I so agree. I think we really have to have some fundamental or radical changes in terms of how we are evaluating our students. So right now, the way we're evaluating our students is now really serving them, right? Now to mention that they have all those knowledge gaps, like after a class is over, they get a score, A or B or C. Nobody actually goes back to revisit their homework or exams to really make an effort to close those knowledge gaps. But then that is not learning. You have all those. That's why I love homeschooling. We homeschool our kids not for the sake of, you know, passing an exam or looking at the score, but for the sake of learning. If there is a knowledge gap, we work hard. Like, hey, you know, we correct this, we learn this, and we make sure that our kids understand everything and then move on to the next level. But like schools, they can't really do that. And the way they were evaluating our students is just not, it's not conducive to cultivating a healthy, risk-taking kid who are brave enough to embrace failures and um, you know success at the same time, but very few students have that courage because they're so afraid of losing a point. I can share with you, Connie, like over the last 15 years of my career, my syllabus is getting longer and longer and longer because students are they're so afraid of missing a point. They're asking all those specific questions. You know, where do, like do I capitalize this? Where to put this? And they need so many specific instructions because they're so concerned about losing that point. I think the overall educational system is really uh, very intimidating to the students, and we are taking away their innate desire to take a risk, to innovate, to think outside the box. We are just like forcing them to obey, to follow, and to do what I told you to do, as opposed to question and challenge and doing things outside the box. But because it makes sense, right? I used to teach a class of 300 students, 400 students. The last thing on my agenda is to individualize my teaching, to encourage outside box thinkers. No, I want everyone to listen to me so that I can control this 300 class, right? 300 people class. So how can you ensure excellent or quality education in a class of 300 people, 400 people? There's no way. There's no way. So we really have to have some fundamental radical changes implemented at the policy level so that we can really help our kids 
be prepared for life and the future and to take risks, to make mistakes, to not be afraid of them. I love that. So friends, I, I think this is a good place. You, you kind of encapsulated everything. And I, I want listeners, I, I want you to go back and listen to our first interview. You're going to really enjoy that. They're, they're very, we talk about different things. There's, there's some crossover, but not much. And I, I want you to consider going and getting, uh, skipping the degree and save the tuition. I think it will challenge your thinking because what is laid out are the principles of how you teach, like how your kids can make money without the degree, but you know, and 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 thrive and be excited and not just be stuck and feel stuck because they got this weighted piece of paper. I thank you for coming back and joining me. I know my listeners are going to love you, and and they can go over and and tell us where we can find you. Yeah, they can find me on my website, uh, classroomwithoutwars.ai, and uh, through my website they can find my social media handles, and uh, also join me live uh, every Friday. And my show focuses on education. We discuss, debate, and disrupt education. Oh, I love that. Thank you for coming on the, the show, my friend. And until next time, folks, you have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equip to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member. And hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.